Bloody Elbow presents the Hey Not The Face podcast, the show that brings you the business side of combat sports, including contract review, financial analysis, fighter pay issues, and more. Hey Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, John S. Nash, joined by his producer, Steffi Haynes. Hi, this is John Nash of uh, Hey Not The Face podcast, and today I have a special guest, uh, Matthew Stoller. Matt Stoller, I believe he prefers to be known as. Uh, uh, formerly of Open Markets, uh, now the American Economic Liberties Project, I believe. Uh, author of a great book called Goliath, 100 Years the hundred year war between monopoly power and democracy. I could not remember the subtitle for that, even though I've read it when it came out and also you have a Substack called big. So you are the perfect guy to bring on because one thing I've been talking about for well over a decade now is the potential of the UFC being a monopoly and antitrust violation. You're one of the foremost uh, experts, or I guess proponents of increasing antitrust uh, enforcement in the United States. So you're the perfect guy to bring on and talk about the UFC antitrust case and monopoly. So I guess one thing I try to do is I try to dumb down the show for people like me, you know, to make it a little more simple. So one thing I think would be great. Could you explain to the listeners why antitrust is important and also give us a definition of antitrust and monopoly? Because I think a lot of people get caught up on the Webster's definition of monopoly, where it's just one seller. Or monopsony, one buyer. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, so antitrust is a specific form of law, uh, and it's not not the only kind of law that does this, but it's the most important form of law that is supposed to prevent monopolization or other forms of of business practices that consolidate power and control in the economy. Um, So. And uh, and a, a monopoly is, you know, you could say it's, it's there's lots of ways to define it, but it's unified control of a recognized branch of trade, right? So it's it's about control, and often that manifests in pricing power over price. You can raise prices, you can lower prices, just because you have, you know, you you can, you can essentially dictate prices that people have to pay for stuff or that you want to pay for stuff. But it doesn't just prices. Sometimes it's about you can determine what uh, what technology gets deployed in the industry, or you can set the terms for how people work, or for what products get sold um, through what uh, you know the distribution channel that you control, or or maybe the rules that are that are um, that run you know that that are uh, that run the market that you're in. So. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's one entity. You could have a series of entities who kind of band together formally or informally, that would be like a cartel that um, that are, that try to exert forms of control. So that's, um, that's what monopoly is. And antitrust is the body of law. And there's a bunch of different laws that involve things like mergers or uh, forms of uh, biz- like business practices like like tying, so saying, in order, if you, you want to buy this one pro- product from us that you need, you have to buy this other product from us that you don't need. A very common example of that would be like 
in the 30s or 40s when, you know, movie studios would say, you really want to um, put Gone with the Wind in your movie theater, and then you have to take at the same time this shitty movie that no one wants to see and put that in your movie theater as well. That would be an example of tying. Um, but there are lots of other uh, practices like saying, hey, if you want to, um, if you want to work for me, then I'm going to make you sign a contract that says if you quit or if I fire you, you can't work for any rivals or potential rivals. That's called a non-compete agreement. Um, there are uh, mergers, you know, I'm going to buy up my main rivals and then I'll control the industry. There's a lot of stuff you can do. Uh, and the, the antitrust laws are designed to prevent those kinds of tactics. That's actually a great setup because a lot of it has to do with I mean, one thing I like about mixed martial arts, the UFC, particularly in combat sports, is it's kind of the UFC specifically is like a microcosm of the American economy. You know, you have problems yeah. with labor, you have problems with antitrust, you have problems with uh, a, a regulatory capture, and which antitrust you have monopoly when you have monopoly rents, which is people out there when you have you make so much money, you can spend money anywhere. It's easy to capture regulatory bodies because you have extra money to throw at them and stuff. Right. So there, there's it has all these aspects to it. That uh, I think cover the, that you you when you look at the greater American economy, what we're having problems with, you can see it in a in a in a fishbowl with yeah. UFC, uh, and so that's what I like about it. So I guess to get into it, one is uh, what what happened to antitrust in some ways. I, I want to go off on a segue, but what happened to antitrust that because I think maybe we should explain the consumer welfare model just briefly because in a weird way, all we seem to be concerned about in the last few decades, which has led to this growth of these monopolies, is that consumers are hurt. And it's right. we kind of ignore all the, the – the, like in the UFC case, the fighters and the other promotions, the other people that might be hurt. Right. So I think that to put your question in a slightly different way, I would say if we have these laws that are supposed to deal with corporate power, then why are corporations so powerful? Like what happened? Is that a good way to put it? A much better way. Look at that. It looks like you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Um, so the answer in short is that we stopped enforcing these laws, right? In the late 1970s and early 80s. And there's lots of fancy ways to talk about that. But, you know, that's essentially what happened. We we're just like, and we didn't change the laws. The Congress didn't repeal them. It's just that, the judges and um, you ever want to know who controls American politics, it's judges. Um, but like the judges and the government uh, under Reagan and then later under Clinton were like, uh, the antitrust, eh, that's that's old school. Like that, that's not modern enough. In the modern economy, everything is super competitive. And like, you don't want the government to like, get involved in the marketplace, right? Like that's just, that's like, you know, they, how does the government know? Like that was sort of the attitude. And they used this technique, which you brought up, this, this language um, called the consumer welfare standard, which is a really misleading term. But basically what they said is like prior to the 1980s, it was kind of like, you know, you played the board game Monopoly. If you own all the properties of one color, you got the Monopoly in that area. Um, and the way you would know that there's a monopoly prior to the 1980s is like the board game monopoly. Like, do you own a, hey, do you control all the, all the, uh, companies of one color or, you know, or, or, or in one industry, right? Are there, if there's competition, it means there's a bunch of rivals buying or selling. That would be the way you would define it. And it's about like 
is there a concentration of power in the industry? What, what happened in the 70s and 80s is a bunch of people said, oh, that's totally the wrong way to understand what competition means. Competition just means our price is low. Is there efficiency in that market? So we don't care if there's a thousand retail stores, each of which is controlled by a family who lives in a town, or if there's one store, we'll call it Walmart. As long as prices are low, that's fine. So the old way of saying, ah, we have five, six, seven companies in an industry, let's make sure they don't merge. That's foolish. Let's just make sure that if they do merge, that that like they maximize efficiency and prices stay low. And so what happens if that's your way of thinking? Well, Walmart's um, slogan, everyday low prices, is really built around that theory. And Amazon and Google uh, and Facebook, sometimes, you know, Google and Facebook, some of their products don't even charge a price. You know, Facebook, you can log on for free. Google search is free as to the user ostensibly, um, not free to the back end to the companies that need to ride the, the rails, but it's free to the consumer. And Amazon sells cheap stuff. Walmart sells cheap stuff, um, you know, ostensibly. And uh, so antitrust law in this new interpretation where you say all we care is about um, maximizing efficiency, not to say that they did maximize efficiency, but they that's what the, the claim was, kind of doesn't apply to these kinds of corporations. And so what's happened over the last 40, 50 years is you've seen the growth of, an, of a massive set of uh, very powerful institutions that have monopolized um, industries everywhere. So concentration is a, is a systemic feature of the American economy. And you see it really clearly in um, you know, in UFC, right, and mixed martial arts. Um, and you can compare mixed martial arts to to boxing, right, which is a completely different market structure, and they operate very differently. The, the compensation structures are differently. The sports are fairly similar, but the laws around them are uh, are are very different. And it's because boxing, the legal framework was actually put into place through the, you know, the Muhammad Ali Act, I think in 2000, which actually broke apart the industry, whereas mixed martial arts. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, the Sixth Round Retro, the Show Money Podcast, the MMA Depressed Us, exclusive fighter interviews, and the return of the MMA Bunker.